just start way back in junior high. How's that? I was cute then, and I wasn't, I wasn't almost 60 years old, okay? Anyway, Keith and I met in junior high, and uh, we've been together ever since. And uh, we got married two days after junior high. And he was not going to be a preacher. I can guarantee you that. I had no plans of marrying a preacher. I had planned on going to nursing school. I was enrolled in nursing school. And he had either planned on being a doctor, figure that, or because you could tell healing was on his heart. But it was just a different kind, you know, or a fighter. Now, he's going to kick somebody and hurt them or he's going to heal them. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I could hardly go to the fights he did. He did them since he was little. Um, but um, they'd kick each other and blood would fly and all this other sort of stuff. You know, I could hardly watch it. But um, anyway, after, right after we got married, well, I'll tell you the bad part about it. We ran off and got married. We did it all wrong. But anyway, we ran off and got married uh, because two days after high school, you get the picture. Um, but we'd been together since junior high and all this other sort of stuff. But because we ran off and got married, we both lost our jobs because we didn't tell our bosses. So, but I found another job. So it could have been, who knows, you know. I don't think we missed it getting married. It's just the way we did it. Um, so I found another job, which was with a chiropractor. I worked for chiropractors for almost, oh, man, 20 years maybe. And... Um, uh, this particular one that I worked for, I didn't know it at the time, but he had a whole wall, probably about as far as that middle section there, of um, preaching tapes. Now, I was raised Catholic. I knew about communion and catechism and confirmation and those sort of things. And those of you who don't know that, It's very legalistic, those things, you know. And you don't have a Bible, and you don't listen to preaching. How many Catholics do I have in here? Former Catholics, Catholics, what to see. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, you do what they tell you to do, basically. But you do have a great respect for God. So I went to work for this guy, and he's my boss. And so every week almost, or every day almost, he tried not to push it every day, but by the end of the week, he'd be saying, don't you want to pick out a set of those tapes in there and take them home with you? They'll help you. He knew how broke we were. You remember the trailer we were living in. He knew how our life was just a mess. And he would constantly say, don't you want to take some of those tapes? Well, finally I did. I took some of those tapes with me, and we started listening to them. Well, long story short, it made Keith start seeking God. And he started seeking God. You've heard him tell the story. He'd go out in the pasture in the middle of the night, and he'd start seeking God. And he'd seek God about, he knew he was hungry for something. And he would seek him about what we were supposed to do with our lives. And he kind of felt like there was more that we were supposed to be doing, but he didn't understand what. Well, the more we would hear those things, we got finished with all of Brother Copeland's stuff. We Somehow or another, I like the title of one of the, his things, probably about not going under or something like that. And um, um, we listened to it first and just continued listening to his stuff. And so he started pushing me and started saying, you know, you ought to listen to, to this guy's stuff, Hagen. He's the one that basically taught him a lot of the stuff he knows, you know. And he got a lot of stuff he, he knows from him. And I say, Keith would say, no, 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 I know this stuff is right. I don't know about anybody else's stuff, so I'm just going to stick with this for now. So it took me a long time to even get Keith to listen to Brother Hagen. So finally, he started listening to Brother Hagen. And he started listening to him, and we found out about Rhema. Well, of course, you know, long story short, we wound up at Rhema. Well, before we wound up at Rama, during that time, while he was seeking, he started hearing about the Holy Spirit. 
and realized he didn't have the Holy Spirit. And he needed the Holy Spirit. Well, he had grown up. Now, as odd as you think all this is, it's it's the truth. I had grown up straight Catholic, had never been in another church all my life, except for maybe vacation Bible school with my cousins one time. Now, he had grown up in a church that was two denominations and gone to church also with his grandmother, which was a oneness Pentecostal church. No makeup. Girls wear dresses, long hair. You know the scenario, okay? That's the way his grandmother grew up. But then his dad and mom went to a church that was one Sunday Baptist and the next Sunday Church of God. And you couldn't tell who was who when you went to church. So when Keith and I first got married, I was so confused. (laughs) What is the Baptist? What is the Church of God? What is the Pentecostal? It was quite confusing to me. But I know when he started seeking the Lord, he was seeking the Holy Spirit. And when he started seeking, he would go there every single night. How many of you have heard him tell the story so I don't have to go into all of it? I'd say 50% of you. Anyway, he would seek every night. He'd go to the altar, and because it was a Pentecostal church, he knew that they knew a little bit about the Holy Spirit. Well, the guys would go on one side, the ladies would go on the other side, and he would go up there and he'd pray every single night from the time the service would get over, which was late, 10 o'clock, till whatever time, 2 in the morning. We had to go to work the next day. Okay? This was every night for a month. So one night, I had had it. I mean, I have to go to work the next day. You understand? You ain't getting it, dude. (laughs) Either it ain't real or something ain't happening or something's not right. But finally, one night I just said, and I'm sitting back there in the back, you know, and I kind of come back to, I'm not even going up there because I think, what is going on up there? I'm Catholic. So finally I go up there one night and I go to the lady's side And I say, Lord, whatever it is he wants, give it to him. If there's anything I'm doing, anything I'm, any way I'm holding him back, anything that I can do to change, any way I can help him, anything that I can do. Do you hear what I'm saying? Are you clear on it? Anything that I can do to help him. Anything I can give up, anything I can change, anything about me that would help him. And immediately I fell out under the power. Patonk, my head hit a wooden pew as hard as you can imagine. They all thought I was dead. But I wasn't. Didn't even have a knot on my head. Well, immediately, because it's a Pentecostal church, they think you're supposed to get baptized. So immediately, freezing cold, February, we go to a pond, and I have on a dress because it's a Pentecostal church. And I get baptized. But the people that are with us the whole time we're going there, they're saying, from the time you come up out of the water, all you have to do is believe that when you come up out of the water, the minute you start coming up out of the water, that you're going to be speaking in tongues. I didn't know anything different. I'd never been taught anything different. That's all I knew, is immediately I would be speaking in tongues. I kid you not, the pastor's standing there. He ducks me down. The moment the motion starts this, I start speaking in tongues and just flailing like a flounder in every direction. Now, was I seeking anything?
Keep that all in mind as we go through this morning. What was I doing? I was seeking something for someone else. Not for myself. The whole time. I went up there for somebody else. So after I get filled with the Spirit, every day, Keith's like, Phil, I can't pray in the Spirit. Pray for me. (laughs) Pray for us. I know we don't know what to do, but I know if we can pray in the Spirit, God will hear what we need to do. So we, we go to Ramah. And we're at Ramah. Now, before we go to Ramah, as soon as I come up out of the water, immediately my life changes. I'm saved. I know I got saved that day. And the only thing that I want to talk about is the Lord. Absolutely the Lord. I want to know, are you saved? Are you living for the Lord? How's your life? Are you okay? Can I do anything for you? What can I do for you? Every person that I come in contact with, Keith's told you the story. I didn't eat. I didn't sleep for three or four days. I don't remember how long it was. He tells it better than I do because I don't remember it. And I've pretty much been that way ever since. God has been first place in our lives. First place in our lives since that day. What does He want? What does He want us to do that day? Where do you want us to go today, Lord? What do you want us to do today, Lord? Well, when we found out from that day, because of us praying, that He wanted us to go to Ramah, what would you think would be one of the very first things you need to do when you're going to move and relocate from one place to another place? Place to live, get a job. Your natural things, is that correct? Have money, get a job, find a place to live. We didn't have any of that stuff. This was the end of July. School started in September. We had none of that. All we knew is we were supposed to go to Ramah. Normally, people try to say, well, I'm just going to move before I get anything. We didn't move before we had anything. The doctor that I was working for there went to a seminar, met another doctor. We did nothing. As, you, as we go on through the day, you're going to get a clue about what's going on. We did nothing but put God first. We said, yes, Lord, we're going to do what you told us to do. But before, say this with me, before we left, God had provided me another job, making three times what we were making there. I had never met the man, and I worked for him for over 20 years. We got along so well. It was a God connection. I didn't seek the job. I didn't hunt the job. What did we hunt? God. Look at this verse with me. Luke 12. Chapter, Luke chapter 12, verse 16. And he spake a parable to them. I think this is King James. I didn't put it down. If it's not, somebody yell at me if it's not what's up there. Unto them saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? 
because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this is what I'll do. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose thing, whose shall those things be, which thou hast provided? So it is that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said unto his disciples, how many in here are his disciples? So listen carefully. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Say that with me. Take no thought for your life. What you shall eat, neither for your body, what you shall put on. Who's saying that? Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for your body, what you shall put on. This life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have a storehouse nor a barn, and God feeds them. How much more are you better than fowls. And which of you, with taking a thought, can add to his stature one cubit? If you then, being not able to do that which is least, why take thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. Yet I say unto you, that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass of the grass of the field, the grass which is is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. Now read this next verse with me, especially the second two words. And and seek not. Say that again. And seek not. And seek not. And seek not. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, and neither be ye doubtful of mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. But your father knoweth that you have need of these things. Now the next verse. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock. He's calling you a little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now to seek means to search, attempt to find something, attempt or desire to obtain or achieve something. Let's look at another verse while we're looking at verses here. Luke 15, 1. What color is this in your Bible? So who's talking? Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, 
and loses one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he finds it. The uh, New Living says, searches for the lost until he finds it, which is seeking for something until he finds it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she loses one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek what? Diligently. Diligently till she finds it. And when she's found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I have lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. I think we've been seeking the wrong thing, guys. I think through our lives, the devil has convinced us our seeking should be for ourselves. Our jobs, our families, our kids, our things, our clothes, our food. The other day, Keith and I had one day we took together. And he took me out, and I said, this will be after it was all said and done. I said, why don't we just make this my birthday dinner? He said, no way, we'll do something. You know, and I'm like, I don't need a thing. I don't know what I even would want. And he, said, he was last night sitting in the chair. I didn't do anything for your birthday. We've been so busy. I said, I don't need a birthday. But it's still on his mind. And uh, so we were driving along. We got out in my car one day, and we were driving along. And we were just thanking God for all the amazing, wonderful joyous blessings he blessed us with. We're just driving along. And both of us are just saying, thank you, Lord. You have been so good to us. You have just blessed us with so many things, and you have been so good to us. And it fell on me just like somebody just came and just almost just sat in your lap. (laughs) And I said, Keith. He said, what? I said, it just hit me. You know... You, you have to do something long enough to set a precedent or a pattern. You know, like all these drugs, they say they haven't ever hurt anybody. They're okay for you. How do they know they've only been testing them six months? Right. Right. You see what I'm saying? You have to do something long term to set a precedent or a pattern for something. Well, we've been in the ministry now soon be 40 years. And I said, it just hit me. I said, do you know those verses? That's always been something that has stirred in my heart about the lilies of the field and and the the grass and all these things. I said, that's always been something that's been really, really tender to me, and I never understood why, and it just hit me. And he said, tell me, tell me, tell me. And I said, all through our ministry, do you know... You and I have never sought for anything personally. We have never sought a house. We have never sought a car. Now, we missed it a couple of times in the beginning when, you know, you're first young and you go out and buy something you shouldn't buy. But when we were really doing what God wanted us to do, we, they sought us just like that job. And I'm going to tell you about them. But now when it came to, look, um, verse 31, look at that. But rather, uh, oh, back up to the, uh, it's, it's Luke uh, 12, 31. Get back there. Sorry. I I'm got it right here in front of me, so. Um, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God. 
and it hit me. I never really understood what that meant. We have had battles. And I mean battles. Every single time we stepped out to do a project for the Lord. We had to seek diligently. We could not quit. Every church building we've had, had sold on it. Every time we tried to take a step for the Lord, people would tell us, you can't do that. Every hanger we ever bought was a battle. And we could not quit. Everything we ever did for the Lord, we had to stand our ground firm. And resist the devil. I'll tell you a couple of them. We sought and sought and sought and sought and sought where we were supposed to have our church first church building. Well, of course, first thing you got to hear from God, you were in the wrong state. Then we got to Branson. Now, we don't advertise all this stuff, but I'm going to tell you because I think people need help. We got to Branson. I told you this before. Keith and I were Keith and I. We didn't have a big ministry or a big church. We weren't even thinking about starting a church. He says, Phil, find a place so that we can do our ministry in Branson. I said, okay. I went out looking. He stayed at the condo and prayed. I went out looking. I went out looking. Just... I finally found it. I went there. I went in. I said, this is it. This is it. This is it. This is it. The guy says, it's going to cost you this much. How many people do you have? (laughs) I forget how many people it sits. What was it, Dan? Do you remember? 2,800, 3,000, something like that. We have no people. No people. I went to 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. I bet I went to 20, 30 banks. No. Unless you have everyone on your board sign and put everything they have up for collateral. I ain't doing that. No, you're not getting it. I said, Lord, you said this. So, we prayed. We sought the Lord. The people called us. They were willing to work something out with us. But we had to stand. What if I wouldn't have went to one, two, three, four, and kept standing? Finally, a bank called me and said, something about you I like. We've been doing business with that bank ever since. And they've given them a lot of business. Do you know what else happened? The next day, we get to that building... There's a whole horde of people walking around that building said, we own this building in the spirit. They're marching around it. We get in the building. I'm there by myself. The whole staff is not there. There's people coming in there trying to steal stuff, say, this is ours. This is ours. They didn't pay us for this. This is ours. They didn't pay us for this. This is ours. And I'm there by myself. And they're coming from every angle. I kid you not. Somebody named Dave Vaughn walks in the door. (laughs) can I help you you bet you he knew every one of them he'd lived there his whole life that's battle number one battle number two we're supposed to we outgrew that one they wanted a million dollars for almost a quarter acre to the right a million dollars for almost a quarter do they think this blonde is really that dumb So somebody else was losing a building on the other side of town. They contact me. One more, no, actually one morning the Lord woke me up and told me to contact them. And he said, I'm losing it today at 3 o'clock. So we jump on it. We start going in that direction. I kid you not, before 3 o'clock, the bank itself tried to steal it out from under us. Was doing papers behind our back. 
What do you have to do? Battles. The devil is not going to stand there and watch you win people for the Lord. But he can't stop you either. He can't stop you. We stood our ground. We didn't back down. What do I do? I rebuke the devil. I tell him where he can go with his stuff. And by the end of the day, we had one day. We were closing on that other building. Battle after battle. This building. We looked and looked. We, We drove here first, but we looked and they said sold. Sold. You can't have it. It's sold. We said, nah, that's our building. We called the people that owned it and they said, no, it ain't sold. Make us an offer on it. They said, they've been saying it's sold. Put it in the newspaper that it was sold. Telling everybody that it's sold. Told the realtor that it was sold. But the owner said it wasn't sold. We've had people, realtor to realtor, try to hide things from even the owners. But what do you do when you know your place with the Lord? You stand. You do not let the devil win. But your battles should be for the things of God. Did they have to fight anywhere in the Old Testament? To win their ground? Was there ever a battle anywhere in the Old Testament? Anybody ever read their Old Testament? They had to put on their armor and fight. We have to fight. We just have different armor today. And you don't let the devil steamroller over you. But now during these times that I'm looking for buildings, let me tell you the flip side of the coin. I sold my house in Tulsa. I just, Keith told you the story, just remodeled the kitchen, put my new sub-zero refrigerators in it that somebody came and handed me a wad of money to do. That we'd only spent, if you counted up the years, we'd lived there several years and we probably only spent three months in it because we traveled all the time. That's why I don't get too anxious to travel. A lot of people think, travel, <gasps> great. <laughs> Go stay in a hotel and eat a re- in a restaurant. Yes. Um, no. Um, but we put that house up for sale. We put all the money into getting that building in Branson. And um, so where are we going to live? We got a little rental house there in Branson where the hot water heater didn't even work. And, and the golf balls every day would come flying through our sliding glass door and they had to replace it like once a week. was not a priority to us. What were we doing? Seeking first the kingdom of God. We weren't seeking a house. We were seeking first the kingdom of God and building the church and living in that little house. Sometime maybe I'll show you the pictures again. We had a tennis court and a swimming pool. Six-car garage and went into a two-bedroom house with golf balls coming through our door and no hot water heater. (laughs) But we were seeking first the kingdom of God. So one day, I was just, we were remodeling the church and stuff, and we'd been working night and day, and I thought, I'm just going to get out just for a little bit. And I went around and looked at a couple of houses with a realtor, and I saw this one. And it was crazy priced. It was just crazy priced. But it was probably the best one in Branson at the time. They hadn't built a lot in Branson at that time. And it was, it was overlooking the lake. And I walked in the front door. And I don't, I don't want to offend anybody by saying this. People watching on the Internet. But it was Colorado-style house. 
a lot of the stone, a lot of dark wood. Uh, the floors are wood, the walls are wood, the ceiling is wood, the canopy is wood, the, everything in it is wood. And I said, this is not for me, and I turned around and walked out. And I got almost to my car, and the Lord came back, and He said, you better check it again. I said, Lord. <laughs> so I went back in, and I checked it. It was crazy price. It was so far beyond anything that Keith and I could afford. It was like... I wouldn't even look at it in the natural. But they didn't have a price on it, you know, and, and the realtor was showing it to me. And, and so I said, okay, thank you, and we left. And I went back to work. Well, I forgot about the house. Didn't ever think about it again. Well, it wasn't a couple of months. The owner of the house called me. Now, what am I doing all this time? Living in a little house... Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things, but seek not, seek not, seek not what you shall eat or what you shall wear or where you shall live. But seek ye. This was the revelation I got that I told Keith. I said, we never sought a house. Not one time. They sought us out. We sought these churches every time. Keep watching. We kept working on this building, working on this building. We were working on... You were there? Were you there when we were doing the Remington? Yes, we were doing the Remington. We were working night and day, weren't we? Night and day and night and day and night and day and night and day. We were doing the Remington night and day. We, we did the yellow ribbon night and day too. I, I think it was yellow ribbon we were doing then, yeah. And uh, just working. Night and day, people were sleeping in it trying to get it ready in time. He kept calling me. He said, will you give me this for my house? I said, No. He said, okay. He called me back again. He said, will you give me this for my house? I said, no, it's too much. I have to focus on building a church. I can't pay that for a house. I'm not paying that for a house. He said, well, do you like my house? Second time. I said, what's not to like? I didn't want to lie to I mean, I didn't want to, you know, say it's the ugliest thing I ever seen. But <laughs> no, it was honestly, guys, it's a beautiful home. It was just not my style. Okay. Keith loves it. Well, loves is a strong word. He doesn't love homes, but he he likes it a lot. He loves it. It overlooks the lake. It's got a, you know, it's got a boat slip. Anyway, so I said, yeah, yeah, of course. What's not to like? He said, okay, that's all I want to know. He waits another three months. We're still living in golf course home. Golf balls. You try to take a nap. Boing, 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 boing. So time passes by. He calls me again. Well, this happened like four or five times. And so the next time he calls, he says, well, would you give me this for it? I said, I wouldn't give you half of that for it. I, I'm just not where I can. I'm not saying it's not worth it. I just cannot do that. Me, personally, I cannot do that. I, I, I wouldn't give you half of that for it. So the next time he calls, he said, would you give me this for it? You said you'd give me half. I said, no, I said, I wouldn't give you half. <laughs> and so he calls me again. And he's got it lower than probably a lot of your houses. And he says, will you give me this fart? I said, you got a deal. Now, I didn't seek him. He sought me. So we moved our stuff in that house. And we've been there ever since in Branson. And the Lord paid for it and took care of us. And it's a great place. If you like Colorado-style homes. <laughs> I'm about to do some work on it eventually one of these days. You know, maybe lighten it up a little bit. 
some paint on it. Anyway, um, so we do that place, okay? Then we come here. I'm seeking this church. Now, Dan does know about this church because we worked in it night and day. Rob knows about it. We're seeking this church. We're seeking building this church. I'm not out looking for homes. To us, it's vitally important. If you're doing something for the Lord, and this could help some of you, you don't buy a house an hour away from where you're supposed to be. If God has you doing something here at the church, our homes are two minutes away from the church. That's vitally important to us. If God has you doing something, then you need to be close to where He has you doing it, or you're useless to whoever you're supposed to be helping. Because if they need you, they're not going to call you if you're an hour away. Say amen or oh me. It's true anyway. Mom Hagen told me that. She said, she said, I need your help. Don't you buy that house clear over there on the south side of town? It'll take you an hour to get to me. We bought a house that was five minutes from her house. And I was over there at her house at 10 o'clock every night helping her do some things. Do you think she'd have called me if I'd have been an hour away? I'd have missed out. On the blessing of learning things and and being a part of some things, I would have been the one that missed out. And you think you don't want to be a part, but you don't realize what you're the one missing. You're missing it. No house is more important than your call on your life. God can build you the most spectacular house and give you the most... God gave me that house. Now, I didn't like that house. Did you get that point? So we came here. We started doing this church. Now, I grew up in New Orleans. I was born at a place called Hotel Dew. It was a hospital, but it was called Hotel Dew. Me and Kathy and Jesse went out looking for it one day, and they tore it down. We looked for it for three days. We couldn't find it because they tore it down. And... uh, we were, we were building and building. And so one day, I was just driving around close by in this neighborhood. And we don't like... Keith grew up in the country. And he, he can't handle somebody right on top of him. Because he grew up in the country. All his life, he was in the country. And he had 100 acres around him. And if he wanted to go pray in the yard, he could pray in the yard. You know? And so we grew up there. So um, I just was looking around here. And um, hold on to your chairs... Uh, Sarasota Polo Club is right next door here. Do y'all know that? Okay. So you can't get in, so don't try. <laughs> well, you can, but you could get arrested. Um, I was driving around, and um, there was a realtor that showed me a house in there. And again, it was so far above and beyond what we could afford. I said, yeah, right. Keith walked in the door and did just exactly what I did to the house in Branson. He said, Phil, let's go. (laughs) I kid you not. That's exactly what he said. He said, Phil, let's go. He said, nice, but let's go. We left. A year later, I don't know who it was, one of the staff in Branson or Tom or Amy or somebody, sends me an email. It's the owner of this house. A year later. We're living in rental houses. We're paying rent for Dan and Rob and Dave and different ones to stay in rental houses. I'm staying in a rental house. Contacts me. Now, what am I doing? I'm seeking first building this church. I'm not thinking about houses. I'm seeking first this church. I said a year later, I'm still in a rental house. Driving 30 plus minutes to get here. Seeking first 
the kingdom. And somebody emails me and says, you looked at my house over a year ago. The Lord dealt with me. You were supposed to have this house. You pastor a church right here close by. And I got saved this year. And he told me I built this house for you. This house, I could not have built it better for my taste if I had built it myself. The price was astronomical when we started looking at it. They were losing it. They just wanted us to pay off what they owed. And they had owned it for a long time. He was in the banking business and he didn't want to be an embarrassment to all of his banking friends. God sought me down and gave me that house in Sarasota Polo Club. You know how far it is from here? One minute. So if you say the Moors live in Sarasota Polo Club, yes, they do. But why do they? They probably paid less for their house than you paid for yours. But why? 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 Seek ye first the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? What did these things say that he would go out and seek? And, and likewise, there shall be joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. Am I saying you're not supposed to work? We work our tails off every single day. If you'd have been around us, Jordan, have we been working the last few days? Have we been working from early morning till late night? Shara, has Mike been working from early morning till late night? We've been working nonstop. This year has been the busiest year I think we've ever had. Ever. But what is the most important thing in your life? Is it you and your things? Is it you and providing for you? Or are you going to work thinking, today I'm going to come in contact with people that I need to minister to. And I'm not thinking about this job, paying my bills or doing my car or getting me another house or or providing for my family. What is your motive for getting up and going to work today? What is the source? What is your heart behind it? To help somebody that's going through something? What's the heart behind, the purpose behind what you do? Are you seeking first the kingdom of God to build his kingdom? Are you seeking first your things? Now come back to me thinking about Keith to begin with. What happened to me? When I was seeking something for him, what happened to me? I got blessed more than I've ever been blessed in my whole life. When I was seeking something for somebody else. And when you get so wrapped up in getting answers for somebody else and trying to help them, you've got a coworker that's going through something and you go home and study out to find an answer to help them with their problem. Or you got somebody that's really short at work on their money and you take it out of your paycheck and you say, you know, I'm short too, but I think I'm supposed to give you my paycheck this week. We'll make it. 
The Lord will provide for us. He's our source. It says you don't work to make a living. You work to make a giving. Our neighbors should know immediately. They're the biggest givers I ever met in my life. You need something? They'll help you. They'll believe with you. They'll cry with you. They'll pray with you. They'll be happy with you. They'll be sad with you. But we are so, as a, as a country, a society, so wrapped up in how quick can we get in our garages and shut our doors. We have got to lose sight of this ball we have wrapped around ourselves and begin to think about other people. There's people out there that are hurting, guys. And you may be hurting too. And you may be thinking, I have enough to deal with on my own. Do you want to get out of what you're dealing with? Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. The more we think about ourselves, the more the devil is going to pile on top of us. Because if he can keep you in your head thinking about yourself all the time, he's got you bound. He's tied you up in knots and wrapped you in in a pretzel. But the moment you get outside of yourself and break free of that box and start thinking about somebody else, he knows what's going to happen. What happened to Lot? Think just a minute. You all know the story of Lot and Abraham. Abraham tells Lot, I'll just quote it to you. He says, we're, we're too much together. Our, our guys are fighting. So Lot, this is what I want you to do. I want you to pick whatever you want. You can have whatever you want. What did Lot do? He picked the best. Did Abraham get mad? What does society do today? If somebody picks the best or takes their best or or tries to take something that they shouldn't or or they you feel like They didn't deserve that, or they took your best, or they took your position, or they took your house, or they took your car. Just like that hanger deal. They took this hanger away from us. You remember that? What does natural tendencies do? Get mad. Did Lot get mad? Absolutely not. And what happened? I mean, did Abraham get mad? Excuse me. Did Abraham get mad? Absolutely not. And what happened to Abraham? God said, look north, look south, look east, look west. Everything is yours. Lot can have that little plot over there. But Abraham, look around you. Everything's yours. And that's what God does for us. It's His pleasure. It's His pleasure. It's His joy. It's the greatest joy for Him. For Him to give us stuff. For Him to give us stuff. There's not a person in here that can't be doing more for seeking the kingdom of God. I'm not saying you have to do anything here at the church. Nothing. But the age-old question, why was I created? Why are you even here on the earth? To come down here and work a job nine to five and have 12 kids or three kids or one kid and die? We were created to seek ye first the kingdom, to build his kingdom. And to tell people about him. Why did Jesus come? And die. So that people could have life. And have it more abundantly. We're supposed to be spreading that. It's our job. When you go to work tomorrow. You to be that light for him. 
this money stuff is not for this prosperity stuff is not for us to say I want a bigger house I want a bigger car I want the most expensive clothes and the most expensive jewelry if you were only to know 90% of the things that I have people have given me God gave me the houses God gave me the cars Going my little merry own way, somebody comes up to me at church one night and says, Here, have the keys to this new Mustang. It's got a this and this engine in it. I forget what kind of, what, somebody, this smart old car's name. Tell me what kind of, 500 and stuff, Shelby. Shelby. Yeah. I said, Thank you. <laughs> I was just minding my own business. It's been sold twice since now. I was just going to church. Minding my own business. You say, well, that only happens for you because you're a minister. Absolutely not. It only happens for me because I seek. You want your life to change. You put God first. Sometimes I often wonder if people need, like Brother Hagin says, another dip. And not a dip of skull or snuff. But another dip in finding out that they're saved. Because if you're truly, truly saved, you should care more about people than you do yourself. You should care more about other people going to hell and what their life is like than we do our own selves. We shouldn't wake up in the morning and just only think about me, myself, and I. We've got to get out, break free of this box. And you, if you do that, these blessings that everybody is seeking and this prosperity that everybody is seeking. I have family members, guys. Bless their hearts. They think you're their source. Now, you don't even want to see them. You want to run from them. Do you want God to be that way with you? That the only time you come to Him is when you want something for yourself? You see how quiet it got? I mean, Keith just saw somebody the other day. And the whole time, he hasn't seen them in a long time because he's been so busy. And the whole time, they were asking him for a car. And he already had it on his heart to give him a car, but it was hard to do after they just kept hounding him. Car, 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 car. How do you think God feels? If the whole time you're talking with him, the only thing you keep saying to him is, house, 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 house. Oh, house, 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 house. Oh, God, house. Do you know how bad I want this house? Oh, God, I need this house. I need this house. Oh, God, give me this house. And that's all that's on your brain. When he keeps saying, seek me, seek me, and I'll just add that to you. Seek me, and I'll add it to you. Seek me, hi, hello, and I'll add it to you. How many of you would like an extraordinary deal on a house or a car? Some of you wouldn't. Didn't even raise your hand. Let's try that one more time. How many of you would like to get a house or a car for like an eighth of the price? Raise your hand. I just told you how. I got a bitly for $49,000. God did it. I didn't do it. Somebody gave me the money to buy it. I didn't even buy it. Take that, devil. (laughs) I didn't. They wanted me to have it. It's the only reason. I I mean, I just fell across it. If you want nice things in your life, quit seeking them. Quit seeking them. If you want a nice car, quit seeking it. You want a nice house? Quit seeking it. You want a nice wife? Quit seeking one. You want a nice husband? Quit seeking it. I'm not kidding. I'm not laughing. 
You want nice kids? Quit seeking it. Your kids are screw up? Quit seeking it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things. Now, let me make something crystal clear to you. I want to read you a verse here. Crystal, crystal, crystal clear. 2 Corinthians 3.10. Crystal. Say crystal. Read that verse out loud. Uh, no, no. 2 Thessalonians. I said th- Corinthians. Thessalonians. Excuse me. Ready? Set for. Out loud. Even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, Didn't tell you you didn't have to work today. I didn't say that. Because the people you're supposed to minister to are at work. Because the person next to you is already saved, most likely. If one person in here brought one person to church... Are we building the kingdom? Do you reckon there's one person at your job that needs to get saved? Or your neighbor? We don't have to go to other churches to get people. There's people that are hurting. But the problem is, if we act like this, and we're hard to get along with, and we're mean, and we're hard, this verse I had down here, Let me just read it. Mark 16. was my last verse. They're up there ready, so I'll read it to you. Mark 16, 14. Do you know what ministry is? You say, well, you're in the ministry, Mrs. Moore. No, you're in the ministry. Say that with me. I am in the ministry. I am in the ministry. Say it again. I am in the ministry. I am in the ministry. Say it again. I am in the ministry. ministry. Say it again. I am in the ministry. ministry. Say it again. I am in the ministry. ministry. Do you know God will not hold me accountable for the person that works next to you? He's going to hold me accountable for telling you this, but he's not going to hold me accountable for the person that works next to you or that you see at the grocery store or that you your neighbor. He's not going to hold me accountable for those people. Nor will he hold Keith accountable for him. He will hold you accountable for him. You are in the ministry. And everything you do reflects the Lord, good or bad. You are in the ministry. And if you're, lack of a better word, if you're hormonal and you're acting crazy, you're not representing the Lord. If your tipper's gone crazy, shut that mouth. Don't cut somebody off in traffic and have a Faith Life Church sticker on the back of your car. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't represent the Lord that way. It's not the church, it's the Lord. Keep in mind always... That person that you're treating that way, God may say, turn around and go minister to them. That's kept me so many times. The guy that did that hanger to us, there's not a person around that I know can even deal with him. But it's kept me from losing my cool with him and being kind because I know I represent the Lord. I don't represent Phyllis more. I don't represent Keith more. I represent the Lord Jesus Christ. And you might as well know it. You've got a a sticker on your forehead that says, Lord Jesus Christ property. And you may try to hide it, but they already know it. Mm -hmm. 
You're his property. And you should be ready, willing, and able to help them in any way they need help and minister to them. This verse, Mark 16, verse 14. Afterward, he appeared. Who's he? Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven and sat at meat and upbraided them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, did that stop with them? He's talking to you. Say, he's talking to me. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believes not shall be damned. That's not just a Keith and Phyllis Moore commission. That's every person in this church commission. And through the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some things that I think is going to help you to be able to do these things. I think it's vitally important what we understand about this stuff. We're going to talk about people have thought once you get baptized, certain things ha- once you get saved, certain things happen in your life. I think it's a misnomer. I think people think that people have said, oh, when you get saved, your whole life's going to be okay. Everything's going to be changed. Everything's going to be great. It's going to be perfect. You're going to have a wonderful life. It's like a fairy tale of Disney's land. We're going to talk about some of that stuff. Okay? So, uh, you guys, will y'all hang with me the next few weeks and, and we can get this stuff done? All right, Mr. Craig, come on up here and close us out.